Well, who is thankful tonight for the loving kindness of God? Amen. And um, we're actually going to go right into this thing, but there was a scripture that I didn't put on the paper that I want to find right now, because I think it'll be a perfect segue. But as I'm doing this, um, feel free to turn in your Bible, or you could read it on the screen, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. I think we're at the sixth or seventh week now, so everybody should have it memorized. You know what? Maybe. Pop quiz. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Such things there is no law. And if you've been keeping count, we are on kindness. So that means we've got three more to go. We are almost done. And it's not even Christmas yet. <laughs> if, it could feel like we've been at this thing for a little bit, but I'm excited for tonight. Um, this is actually... A message that came out of a conversation, but I think that the Lord will use it. Um, why don't we just pray real quick again before we go into the word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. I pray that you would open our hearts. Father, I just um, pray that um, anything that would want to be a hindrance or obstacle to this word going forth, that it would be I'm gone in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would speak to me right now and that you would speak through me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before actually I get into this, uh, I look down at the table and I actually look at my shirt. Um, we have some missionaries left. So at the end of service tonight, um, when we take up the offering... If you uh, want to take a look at some of these missionaries that are left that still need help, um, we would greatly appreciate it. Yes, it's on auto pay, but the only way it keeps paying is because you give. So we thank you in advance for prayerfully considering um, looking at these last six missionaries and... Um, I guess if Brother Randall or Sister Marlene are watching, you can just comment which missionary you want. That way nobody takes it. If somebody takes it, though, I'm not responsible. But, amen. We're talking about kindness. And I kind of hinted at this last week because we were talking about patience. And I said that I was going to bring up the difference between what the world deems as kindness and what the Bible says is kindness. And I was actually talking to a pastor about this. I said, I'm really glad I double-checked because that flew right out of my mouth last week. And I'm like, oh gosh, I hope I don't make something up. Because how many of you know, like, in, in this business, I don't want to say in this business, but 
The Bible says that those you know, who teach will be judged double and that not everybody should desire to teach. So I want to make sure I'm not just throwing things in there, but I'm doing what's called exegesis, which is you read the Bible and based off of what you've read, that's the meaning. But a lot of people nowadays have flipped it and have said, well, this is what I think it says. It's not what you think it says. It's what he says it says. Amen? So that's what I really wanted to look at, and I double-checked, and I'm like, oh, thank the Lord. Okay, I was on to something. Kindness is something that I guess could be looked at in the same way as love. That the world has a definition of love and the scripture has a definition of love. And sometimes the two of them meet, you know. The world has a semblance of understanding what love is. But as we've already heard when we started the series, God is love. So if you don't have God, you don't have real love. So it's almost as if the understanding is skewed because you're not getting everything that you can because you don't have the one who gives love and has created love in the first place, which is God. The same can be said about any of the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, which is what we've been talking about. So obviously, if you don't have the Lord in your life, then there is maybe a lack of genuine love. Or if you do not have the Lord in your life, maybe you're trying to find joy in things that are temporary and you're getting joy and happiness mistaken. Or how about peace? There's so many things that are trying to, you know, get at our attention. I know I'm doing a little recap on purpose. And so peace is when we choose to focus on the Lord instead of the things going on around us. And then what did we talk about last week? Patience. Patience is selfless. It's not thinking about getting back at somebody because they did something to you or, you know, wanting things done your way right now. It puts those things to the back burner and it, it allows the Lord, when we have patience, to be the one who's in control. You know, we, we say, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hand. I don't know the rest of that song, so I'm done. But if y'all remember that song, Jesus Take the Wheel, anybody? Yeah, okay, come on. Y'all y'all can remember it. It wasn't that long ago. Amen. Kindness is one of these things. Because how many of you know for every genuine thing that God makes, Satan always has a counterfeit that he wants to try and throw in front of it? I immediately think back to Moses when him and Aaron stood before Pharaoh and they're like, let the people go. And what was one of the first signs that was told for him to do? What did God tell him to do? One of the first signs was you take the staff and drop it on the floor. And what's it going to do? Becomes a snake. Yes, there we go. That's a Sunday school question, y'all. I'm kidding. But became a snake. But you know what happened next? Pharaoh's magicians are like, oh, we could do that too. 
dropped their sticks, they became snakes. But here's the cool part. Because even though the devil tries to make a counterfeit, tries to make things that look too good to be true, that seem to be on par with the things of God, you know what happened, right? The snake that God made ate up the other serpents. So yes, I'm going to blow some minds here and I might say something that sounds a little weird, but the devil does have power. The devil does have power. The Bible says that he's the prince of the power of the air. The Bible says that he's the god of this world. But here is the best part. God is all-powerful. And God has power over the devil. So for every counterfeit thing that Satan tries to bring up, it doesn't last in the presence of God. God's power, God's greatness trumps anything that the devil can try to bring. Yeah, sure, he'll try to make a counterfeit or he'll try to make something, you know, to get our mind and attention off the things that God would have for us. But I think it's pretty simple to know what could be from the Lord and what isn't. James 1.17. Trust me, I know this sounds a little weird to start about kindness. but We're going to get to why in a second. It says every good and what? Every good and perfect gift. It's from above. And if God is good and perfect, then everything that comes from Him will be good and perfect. And so many times in life, myself included, there there could be those things that try to come up that seem too good to be true. And it may seem like it's from God. But here's the deal. If it's not good and perfect, and if it pulls you away from the Lord, and if it pulls you away from the things that He wants you to do, and it pulls your attention, it's not from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And I'm so glad that the Bible tells us that because, you know, sometimes people give us things or people promise things, Right? Adriana's agreeing with me. She's like, yes! <laughs> She's saying, preach, preacher man. No, but, you know, pe- people could say they're going to do things or give promises and then they change their mind. But God doesn't change His mind. And so when He gave us, through Paul, this teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, none of those things change. He still gives us love. He still gives us joy. He still gives us peace. He still gives us patience. And tonight, He still gives us kindness. And when we look at the word that Paul used to describe kindness, I really love it. It says it's goodness, excellence, and uprightness. It comes from another Greek word, Um, It's pronounced Christos. Christos. It means useful, profitable. Properly usable. I love this. Well fit for use for what is really needed. And this is basically what all of this means in concern of kindness. Kindness 
is meeting real needs, real needs in God's way and avoids human harshness or cruelty. I'll say that again. It's meeting real needs in God's way. So not man's way. That's important. And avoids human harshness or cruelty. Kindness is something that I would say a lot of people agree is compassion, helping those that are in need. I mean, there's plenty of scriptures for that, you know, to help the poor and to help the hungry and, you know, to, you know, take your clothes and to give it to someone who needs one. And all these different things are spoken of. I think a really good one, though, is Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 1 through 8. Because in chapter 1, Paul was telling them to conduct themselves in a certain way. To exemplify different things. And then, this is why there's a therefore. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Being one in, yeah, being of one spirit and one mind, excuse me. This right here, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather In humility, value others before yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I'm going to stop right there real quick because he goes through this whole thing that, you know, if if we have any encouragement from being in Christ, if we have anything from his love, if we're in the spirit, all these, basically all these different ways to say, if you are a believer... This is what should come from your life. Amen? In your relationships with one another, verse 5, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Oh boy. If we would just do that. Last week it was if we can just keep our mouth shut. This week, if we can just have the same mindset as Jesus. How many of you know things would shift so fast? Especially in the government, especially just in our world in general, if we would just have the same mindset as Jesus, what was his mindset? Who being in very nature God, did not, equa- did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or others say something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There it is again about humility. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What on earth does this have to do with kindness? The pattern here is that if we're going to express kindness, if we're going to express this earmarker of having the spirit we have to 
Be humble. We have to humble ourselves. We cannot look on our own ambitions. But rather, we value others above ourselves and we serve others. Um, Ephesians 4.32 is good as well because Paul, he's talking to them in the earlier parts of this chapter about not living the same way the Gentiles do. And not to get angry at one another. Not to backbite at one another. And then he says, concluding the entire chapter. It's pretty long, 32 verses. So you all could look at Ephesians 4 later. But it says, be kind to one another. Tender hearted, forgiving one another. Just as God in Christ forgave you. So Jesus is the model. He forgave us. And by the way, He didn't have to forgive any of us. But He did it. Why? Out of His loving kindness. The Bible says that it's the mercy of God that we're not consumed. And the Bible also tells us that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. James also tells us at the end of chapter 1 that true religion is caring for widows and orphans. And again, compassion is important. I mean, the Assemblies of God has one of the greatest compassion ministries out there. Convoy of Hope. They, they go into um, disaster areas, disaster regions, even around the world. And um, they'll, you know, distribute food, distribute clothing. Um, my mom actually helped one time in a Convoy of Hope outreach in Orlando. And um, they had a thing going on for um, kids, I guess, that were in need. And they did this thing that they had to dress as clowns and did like a whole thing. She still has the costume and I see pictures of it. I thought it was cool. But compassion ministry is important. Jesus and the apostles do tell us to care for physical needs. But here's the thing. We're not just supposed to care only for physical needs. But also spiritual needs. And sometimes if we're not careful. If we're not careful. Ministry of compassion. In a physical standpoint. Can become a cop out. From doing compassion from a spiritual standpoint. Here's what I mean. You got the Pharisees. They were super holy looking on the outside. And all these things. They followed the law. And they even added other laws. To make themselves look so great. And you know what Jesus called? These super amazing people? Hypocrites. Why? Because they were so concerned about how they looked that they negated the weight, what Jesus calls the weightier matters of the law, which was having justice and mercy. So in other words, kindness. Yet they just wanted to make sure they looked all, you know, pish posh and ready for synagogue on Saturday. But even as Jesus told, and pastor reminded me of this, the Good Samaritan, it was the Pharisee and the Levite in the story 
that said, oh, look, this guy is uh, really beat up. Well, bye, I'm out. And they walked away. The moral code of the law should have told them to help this person. But you know what? They didn't want to get the robe dirty. And so they just walked right around. They swiftly left. And so Jesus in Matthew 23, 25 through 28, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You cleanse. Oh, this is so gross. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish. But in the inside, it's full of extortion and self-indulgence. In other words, you, you, you want to make everything look really nice and pretty. But who on earth wants to drink out of a cup that looks nice on the outside, but then you look, and it's grimy, and it's dirty, and it's messed up, or eat from a plate that, you know, from a distance looks great. You know, the rim is nice, and it's super shiny. But man, you, you, you look at it up close... And it's got like leftover food on it. Nobody wants to eat or drink from that. Why? Because it's not appetizing. And so when we say or we try to look a certain way, Jesus is saying, but the inside doesn't match the outside, we, we don't become appetizing anymore. What, what is it that Jesus said about us again? He said, you are the salt of the earth. And he said that if the... The salt loses its flavor. What happens? So he tells them in verse 26 what to do. And man, this is such a good verse, a reminder for me, a reminder for all of us. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish. That the outside may be clean also. Because again, going back to the dirty dishes analogy. If you don't clean the inside, at some point when you're moving it around, using it, the dirt from the inside is going to get on the outside. It's going to mess everything up. That's what happens when we're not living in a way that God would want us to do. That's what happens when we're saying that we're going to be kind. Or we're saying we're going to be loving. Or we're saying we're going to do all these things on the outside. But then we don't do it. Verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you look like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and uncleanliness. Next. In the same way, even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So in other words, Jesus is exposing something very important. Do what you preach. Do what you preach. And I'm not accusing anybody in here of being a Pharisee. I'm just using them as an example because Jesus had a lot to say about them. Because they were the ones that should have been giving the law, teaching the law. Quote unquote, the religious elite is what they're called by many theologians and scholars. And yet, they missed it by so much. Because they read it, but they didn't live it. But how many of you know that with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we're not able just to read it, but we can live it out as well. Amen? I think some people do that inadvertently as well. Maybe just because of what they've seen. And here's what I mean. 
Some people are very outspoken, and some people have chosen not to be outspoken about their faith, or not outspoken about certain things about the Lord. And this is something that I'm working on as well. But back in uh, 2019, when I first came here, my first message that I preached was called, I Know What Works. And um, y'all could look it up in the archive if you want. But I talked about how there's some who overemphasize different things within the message of the gospel. And inadvertently, because of this, they make their own camps. And so neither of them are really telling the truth because they've made these camps. And you'll see how this goes into kindness in a second. So you've got the wrath of God camp. And you've got the love of God camp. And the wrath of God camp has some truth. Because yes, the Bible says that the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. And who were the sons of disobedience? All of us. Because before the, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus cleanses us, so that we're not in that status anymore, but all of us, all of us transgress God's law. And so without Jesus as the covering, yes, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on sin. We are sinners. Therefore, the wrath of God would be poured out on us. But here's the problem. A lot of people in this camp leave out very important details. And so what flies out of their mouth is God hates you. Now, let me ask you something. Does that sound very kind? Does that sound very appealing? Does that sound very pleasing? You know, I, I had a, an encounter with people like this. Actually, uh, my church did as well. Um, we went on a missions trip uh, to Mardi Gras. We did it three years in a row in New Orleans. And I believe it was our second or third year. We were in the French Quarter of New Orleans. And if any of y'all have ever been to New Orleans or Louisiana, you know where that is. It, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's crazy out there, especially during Mardi Gras. And we were out on Fat Tuesday, which is the final day of Mardi Gras. And if you know anything about it, that's the day that basically anything goes. And literally, anything went. So, whew, it was crazy. But there were these people, you know, they looked like the SWAT team. And they had these caps, and they had these sunglasses, and they had megaphones, and they had this big old banner that said, God hates you. Yep, that's how I reacted. And all they said from the megaphone was, you know, all of you dirty, rotten sinners are going to burn in hell, and there's no hope for you, and da 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 And they had the audacity to come in front of our group that was actually telling people about how to escape all of that. And so our team leader's like, oh, no, this ain't happening. Grabbed the microphone, turned up the PA system, and they say, yeah, this is true, but here's what the Bible says about the rest of that. Starts reading John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Now, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he keeps reading down. And the people with the, the sign and the whatever, they start cussing at us. They start cussing at us. And all we're doing is reading the Bible and telling the truth and finishing up what they weren't saying. Why? 
because they got involved in this little camp over here that only emphasized one aspect of the gospel. See, here's the problem. Satan is the one that moves in half-truths, not God. So the enemy would, yes, say, you know, the wrath of God's coming on the sons of disobedience, but he condemns, and he says, because of this, there's no hope for you. Oh, that thing you did yesterday, or that thing you did last week, that, that thought you had, that, that word that flew out of your mouth when somebody cut you off on I-95, oh, because of that, there's no hope for you now. See, that's what the devil says. The devil's never going to tell you about the love of God. The devil's never going to tell you about how God so loved the world. We get that because we're Christians. We get that because we've heard the whole message. But here's the problem. There are some, even in the church, who have only heard this message, and because of that, they have now made their own camp, which is the love of God camp, where there's no such thing as punishment, there's no such thing as judgment, there's no such thing as being disciplined because of anything that we do. You could literally do whatever in the world you want and you'll still go to heaven. Why? Because God loves. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. So, we have a group over here in one aspect being obviously unkind because they're leaving out redemption and we have another group over here that is also being unkind. Why? Because they are leaving out the very thing we're being redeemed from. Because there's so many people today that are saved, but they don't know what they're being saved from. They don't know what they're being saved to. And scripturally speaking, are they really saved? Now I'm going to get back to this. But I wanted to say that because the message of kindness is the balance of both of these things. Titus 2, 11 through 15 makes it super clear. It says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for who? All people. So there's no questions, there's no doubts. And what does this salvation do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I pray that for myself, for sure. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who what? Gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness. How many of you are thankful for that? And to purify us for himself, a people, for his own possession, who are zealous after good works. That's the gospel. That's the whole message. And if we proclaim that, that is an act of kindness. Because we are save, we, we are partnering with God to save people from something that would destroy them. 
Verse 15 tells us, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you. That verse is definitely for me because sometimes I fall into this and I did recently. I'll admit it. I was on Facebook and I saw this really good quote by a preacher named Paul Washer. And it's literally, it was just a paraphrase of scripture that said, you know, unless you have Jesus covering you for your sins when you stand before the Lord, you know, on the judgment day, sadly you'll die and go to hell. And part of my stomach was just starting to curl. And then the Lord convicted me and was like, that's true, isn't it? I said, yes. So I made an explanation and I shared the photo. Why? Because it would have been unkind For me not to share something that I knew was truth with somebody who may have desperately needed it. Proverbs 24, 11 through 12 says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we didn't know. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man? According to his work. Or Romans 1 says it this way. That the glory of God is displayed through all of creation. Therefore men are without excuse. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. So in other words. Don't just meet a physical need. But also meet the spiritual need. There's nothing wrong with feeding the hungry. There's nothing wrong with feeding the homeless. There's nothing wrong with clothing people. There's not, Listen. I... I love stuff like that and God willing will do more things like that and food drives and all these things. Those are super important things. But may we never forget that that is just one piece of the gospel. And that, yes, through our actions, people can see Jesus. And man, I wish I was sitting there because I'm preaching this to myself too. But man, they also need to hear about Jesus. They also need to hear about Jesus. And You know, I I had an opportunity today and I was able to talk to someone about the Lord. And yeah, I gave them water or whatever, but I spoke to them about Jesus. That's something that I'm trying to get better at myself. Kindness. This is what the Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary says about the word kindness. It's not an apathetic response, but a deliberate act. It's not an apathetic response to sin but a deliberate act to bring the sinner back to God. And I would even add, it's not an apathetic response to the things that are going on in this world. Because it's so easy to turn on the TV and flip through the news and be like, wow, that's horrible. And then just flip the channel. But you know, we've got to pray. We've got to seek God. We've got to ask Him to help us to be the change that we want to see in the world. And... The the gospel is not hate speech. You hear that going on, right? Hate speech, hate speech, hate speech. And oh, if you say this, you're a bigot. I don't even know what a bigot is. (laughs) I feel like somebody has made up that word last year or something. You know, or if you if you don't ascribe to this certain thing, you're not woke enough. I'll go ahead and say this, in our culture as well, there's this thing called virtue signaling, which is the world's version of kindness. They'll do something nice, 
or they'll, they'll do something that is approved just as long as somebody gets it on camera. That's not my phone doing that. Nope, it wasn't my phone. They'll, they'll do it as long as somebody's watching. You know, because they want everybody to know this is how you're supposed to do it. But, you know, I think Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And to pray to our Father who's in secret so that He would then reward us. Listen, we don't do kind things or we don't speak kind words to get something out of it or to reciprocate something out of it or to make ourselves look good in front of people. No, the only reason why we do anything like that is because of our love for the Lord. The only reason why we should want to do anything like that is because of our love for the Lord and love for His people. Actually, I was listening to a sermon uh, by another pastor today, uh, Craig Groeschel, uh, Life Church in Oklahoma. Super big church. I like him, though, because, yeah, you know, they've, they've got the lights and they've got the big old screen or whatever, but man... He'll preach. And he'll tell you what's in the Bible. How many of you knows we need people to get back to telling us what's in the Bible? And he, he, at the conclusion of his message, it was from a series that he's doing about um, people living up to the way that Jesus lived. And it was, you know, taken a little bit differently. He examined how Jesus actually did things. Like he spoke about you know, the Bible never says that Jesus ran somewhere. The Bible says that Jesus was never in a hurry. He just walked places. He always had a calmness about him, a peace about him. And he always looked on people with compassion. Um, Mark, 5, uh, Mark chapter 5 um, describes it best. Uh, the leper that went before Jesus and said, are you willing to heal me? The Bible only says it there. It doesn't say it in any of the other synoptic gospels. So it doesn't say it in Matthew and it doesn't say it in Luke. It only says it in Mark 5. And he looked upon him with compassion. And then said, I will it be clean. And touched him and he was cleaned. That's important because that's how Jesus acted. That's how he wants us to act. And so the prayer that was prayed was, God, help me walk slow enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. Again, it's doing nothing out of selfish ambition. Not doing anything out of vain conceit. But slowing down enough that we don't just see what's going on and just walk right by it. But we choose to do something about it if we can. We choose to do something about it if we can. And that's with Physical acts of kindness, and as we've talked about, spiritual acts of kindness. Which would be preaching the gospel. Praying for those who need it. Praying for people who don't even think they need it, but we know they need it. <laughs> Amen. May we never get to a point that we think we can't do this. Because it's too controversial. Or that we can't help 
someone or we can't say this thing because it's too controversial. Let me tell you something about controversy. We have the most controversial faith in the whole planet because we believe that there's only one God and we believe that He came down, took the form of flesh, being born through a virgin woman, lived perfect, died, three days later, got himself up from the dead, walked out of the grave, pushed a gigantic stone away, okay? That it is not possible for one person to even move. The stone just rolled. He stayed on earth. Oh no, even better. He shows up in front of his apostles who thought that he was dead. He literally poofs into a room and says, hey, I'm here. And then he appears to two other disciples walking down the street and he's like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, oh, we're sad because, you know, Jesus died or whatever. And They have this conversation, right, about the scriptures. And then they realize, oh, my God, this is Jesus. This same one appeared before 500 people and then he ascended back into heaven after being on earth for 40 days after he had died and came back from the dead and he's coming back. We have the most controversial, out-of-this-world faith. But you know what? It's the truth. And an act of kindness would be to rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. There's actually an old hymn, I don't know it, but it's called Rescue the Perishing. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, and I forgot the last part of it. But you get the picture if you know that. that that's our mandate, rescue the perishing. And God did that for us. He rescued us. He rescued us. He didn't think about himself. He emptied himself. Took on the appearance of a man becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus came and did that. And see, if he didn't love us, he wouldn't tell us anything. If he didn't love us, he would not have done that. If he didn't love us, when we do things that we're not supposed to do, when we have those, those struggles where God tells us do this and you're like, no. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't tell us. He wouldn't discipline us. But just like we all have parents, or some of y'all are that parent, that you'll Discipline your child if they do something wrong. Some of y'all, you'll spank them. But you, <laughs> I got an absolutely from the back. Hallelujah. But they do that, why? Because they love their child. And I remember back home, um, our youth church, we were split into different campuses and 
one of the campuses, we did ministry at a foster home that was down the street. And I can't tell you the many times that, um, you know, those kids wished that they had somebody who would... I actually heard a girl say this, that she said that they just wished that they had their parents to tell them what to do. Why? Because through that, there's love. Through discipline, there's love. It, is, it, it, it would be unkind... And I'm finishing up. It, it would be unkind to let somebody run through traffic and not tell them to watch out or wait for the, the crosswalk light to turn on. It would be unkind to do that. And it would be unkind to not do something if we have the power to do it. Actually, Proverbs talks about that. And it would be unkind not to tell somebody about Jesus if they didn't know it. And this is something that I am trying to grow in myself. And this is something that I want to get better at. Because it is easy to get scared. It is easy to get afraid. It is easy to want to be comfortable. It's, it, it's very simple. But something that the Lord actually put on my heart this morning is that our life is not about convenience. It's about the calling. And that hit me. Because the temptation is to want to do things that are convenient. The temptation is to do things that we like. The temptation is to not think about other people. But may we always put in front of us, Lord, help me to love you and then to love others as I would love myself. Help me to be kind to others. Help me to do good to other people. And I do this, I try to do this every time I'm online, but maybe some of you tonight have not heard about the ultimate act of kindness and the ultimate act of goodness, which was that Jesus came and died on the cross. He took your place. All of us went against God's law and all of us deserved to be punished for it because we did wrong. But Jesus came, died on the cross, he took our sins upon himself, and he died in our place, and he rose from the dead to prove that just as he lives, we could live also. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So today, just in your own words, Confess that Jesus is Lord. Confess that you believe that he rose from the dead. And the Bible says when you do those things, you'll be saved. And I'd encourage you to share that with someone as well. Because that is an act of kindness. And also, do something good for someone. Help someone that you know is in need. Because not only do we speak the gospel, we also show it. May we do both and not just one. So God bless you all. Thank you for watching tonight. And uh, we hope to have you tune in next week and also this Sunday.